solves everything. A how-to-do show where Heather takes credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. I used to think that I was a good person. Then I met these folks. Wow. Hey, everybody. You've made it to another episode of Heather Solves Everything. You know this is the show where I take credit for making the world a better place by introducing you to people who actually are. It's a problem-solving show. Each week, my guests and I talk about the everyday problems of life, how they are solving them, and how you can tap into your unique strengths to solve your problems too. Now today, we are talking about $25,700. That's the threshold of what the United States considers to be living in poverty for a family of four. Now that includes minimum wage workers, sometimes people holding down multiple jobs. It includes seniors living on fixed incomes, people who are suddenly out of work, scrambling to get a new job before their savings run out. We know that poverty doesn't discriminate, but it also doesn't affect everyone equally. Poverty affects women more than men. In 2018, the poverty rate for married couples was only 4.7, but for single parent families, it ranged between 12.7% and 25%, with the higher percentage being for households headed by women. Nearly 4 million people living with a disability also live in poverty. And that's the problem that we're tackling today, along with ways that we can use what we're good at and passionate about to be part of the solution. My guest today is Freddie Branham. He's the executive director of Echo Outreach Ministries, a faith-based organization that works against poverty and for economic opportunity for at-risk populations. He's a graduate of Florida State University with degrees in finance and management of information systems. He used to work in the technology field, but then got his start in human services when he was managing the school nutrition program for the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Now, he brings an employer-led business perspective to the social services arena. He works to connect the strengths and networks of the private sector to the efforts of nonprofits beyond donations and into collaboration. Welcome to the show, Freddie. Thanks for having me, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I am glad that you're here because I have a lot of questions about poverty. Are you ready to solve some problems? I'll give it my best. Let's get into it. Now, guys, the statistics that I was just sharing are from a website called PovertyUSA.org. I encourage you to visit. That's where you can learn more about what it means to be living in poverty. And we're going to focus on the poverty situation in Tallahassee and Leon County. Freddie, tell us about ECHO and what it is and how it serves. Absolutely, Heather. Uh, ECHO this year is celebrating 40th anniversary of service here in Tallahassee. Um, everything from food pantry to soup kitchen, helping folks that are homeless to helping folks that are employed but struggling under that level of, uh, you know, of means. We've done kind of a little bit of everything over the years. Uh, the good thing is we've lasted this long. You know, that's a, a first thing you can check off the list. But, you know, really at its core, it was just how do churches band together and kind of do joint community benevolence instead of people going to their church for help they would then refer that person to ECHO. 
and it would be a bag of food, but then it would be a deeper dive of counseling and coaching to get that person to where they no longer needed us. So it's a full-service, wraparound approach that starts with connecting people with the basic essentials that they need for the day and then really goes deeper into what they need beyond that. Very comprehensive. The very first act of Echo 40 years ago was one person who met one other person who needed a employment, a place to stay, a shirt and tie to go interview for a job, and she was able to put all those together through her resource directory and, and just move this person along to where they were able to uh, get back on their feet. I can probably imagine how the name Echo came along. Uh, one good turn deserves another. You're, you're absolutely right. I think we were Echo from the beginning. And when it comes to paperwork and trying to sound official, you tell it wasn't an acronym to start with. And so when we filed paperwork, you had to kind of spell that out. They, people didn't understand Echo. They're like, what's it stand for? So on paper, we are the Emergency Care Help Organization. But from our roots and still today, we are Echo because we are trying to have folks echo what we've been able to serve them with. I love it. I love it. That's great. So tell me a little bit about what poverty looks like in Tallahassee and Leon County. You know, it's, it's probably one of the most complex things that we're, we're faced with. Uh, I come, as you mentioned, I come from more of a business background, educated and work experience was all in the, the private sector of business and, and finance, a little bit of sales. And so when I came in to Echo, it was without a social work degree, just trying to learn and get my way around the social work uh, environment and the social services sector. And by getting into that, I got to know a little bit about how poverty looks. You know, is it merely, like you mentioned, a dollar figure on a threshold on a chart and you either fall under it or uh, above it? But really, once you get into it, poverty is far more than a lack of money. Mm. And there's, there's, that's absolutely key to it. But there are so many other things in our relationships, the social capital we've, we have, our intellect and education opportunities, um, all those other things, spiritual well-being, uh, physical fitness, health, you know, wellness, those all make us where we have resources or not. And that's the lens that we view poverty in is through that culmination of resources and, and the various ways that you can build up your own assets and, and develop yourself. So really the difference between surviving and thriving, you know, and, and being in a in a situation where you have only what you need or maybe not all even all of what you need to get through the day and helping people get to the point where they can see forward a few days, a week, a month, and they can start beginning to plan for their future rather than just trying to keep up with what's happening that day. Yeah, I mean, there, there really is a difference between alleviating a problem that exists where it is and reducing something to where you don't experience it anymore. And that's, trying, that's where we try to find our lane in the poverty, uh, poverty space. What are some of the ways that you do that? It's, it's relationship driven. You know, I mean, we need to know, like I mentioned, the resources that somebody brings to us. We need to start with that foundation. It's not just looking almost at a deficit of, hey, where are you? Why are you this way? But it's, hey, what are you bringing to the table? What do we have to work with? Is it employment? Is it income of some sort? Is it housing? Do you have a roof over your head? You know, are your kids in school? Are they young enough? Do they have daycare? Do they ha are they taking advantage of all the different resources that we have? 
we we don't just have an opportunity to give them a bag of food. It's more of we get to know you and diagnose and investigate where you are to to fully understand where we can get you to go in the future. So speaking of that bag of food, uh, I have been a volunteer at Echo and have spent um, a Saturday morning putting food into grocery bags. And when we were there, the idea was that we were going to provide somebody enough food for three days. And so we had we were in your big walk in pantry um, with shelves of canned food and boxed food, you know, non-perishable things, which you would typically bring to a food drive. And it became a bit of a challenge to determine whether or not we were able to provide well-balanced assortment of food. And I remember looking for how do we get a protein? How do we get adequate fruits and vegetables and you know how do we know that they have you know what they actually need for a balanced diet can you tell us some of the thought process that goes into what goes into a bag and why we pack it that way absolutely uh i don't know if you're like me but i go shopping once a week and i load up a cart cart and a half and i roll it out i don't carry out each individual item i roll it out put it in the back of my car and go home and put it in my pantry if you are under resourced and don't have that capability what better way than to have a bag of food that you can carry? You can take it on a bus. You can take it um, in an Uber. You can walk with it to your home. Uh, that's the really why we came up with a, a three days worth of food fits nice and neat in a small box or a bag. We've recently upgraded to these canvas, you know, the grocery bags. And so you know, that way somebody does have better handles. They can walk in the, the inclement weather. They can walk a longer distance. But really, it's what can you carry right now? Our food pantry is for temporary, immediate relief of somebody that's in a crisis and an emergency. It's not a grocery store or a vending machine. So it's something that can address something right away. There was a wide variety of food that was available. Um, it was fun to go through the shelves and look for what, um, oh, there's kids in the house. They're going to want this type of fruit salad and, and those types of things. And the joy that came from being able to spend some of our Saturday morning um, helping others in the community was a real thing. And guys, when we come back from the break, we're going to jump more into how we can be part of that joy. How can we create that joy within ourselves and for others? It's Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you to my sponsor, AK Social Strategies, a locally and woman-owned business that provides social media and email marketing for small businesses. Every client feels the love when their social media is curated thoughtfully and personally with purpose and intention. Social media is a business must have, but it's time consuming and ever changing. Let AK Social Strategies take the wheel. Find them on Facebook. Just search for AK Social Strategies. Welcome back, everybody. This is Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm so glad that you're here with me and Freddie Branham, the Executive Director of Echo Outreach Ministries. He is here 
to talk to us today about the problem of poverty in our um, in our community and most importantly how we can help before we went to the break uh, we were talking about what goes into the grocery bags and and what goes into um, a sustainable just a three-day batch of food that somebody can take home with them and um, I wonder Freddie can you tell us about how those shelves get stocked. How do people make donations? What do you need? Um, what what do you not accept, if anything? And generally, how can people help fill those shelves? Sure. So beyond the food, there's three things that we tend to, to lean in, that things that we need coming in and things that go out the door, and that's food, furniture, and finances. Okay. Okay. So we've, we've identified you were in the pantry, and you helped us uh, bag some food that was going out the door, hopefully as, as well, uh, nutritious, nutritious, nutritious items, and a fairly wide range of stuff. So we have partnerships with churches who might adopt a particular food group, mm-hmm. and they'll donate to us. Uh, if you've got a civic organization, your business, you can put a drop box in the lobby, fill it up as you come and go, and those are things. That's one way we we stock food. We're also partners with uh, America's Second Harvest of the Big Bend, so we're able to get bulk items, large item, large orders and add to our pantry where we see fit. Uh, the furniture bank that we run is pretty unique. There's not anything else like it in town. And we provide free furniture to veterans and people that are leaving homelessness and moving into their first place. Okay. They've, they've scrapped together enough for first month's rent, last month's rent, security deposits, those things, but don't have enough to make a house a home. Mm. And so we accept gently used furniture pieces from around the community, all just donated items. We don't shop for anything. And we deliver those to the clients that are moving into their places. So think about what would go into somebody who's kind of on the lower end of the pay range, a smaller apartment, something that can go through tight spaces. We can't take sectionals, recliners, really heavy furniture, that king-size waterbed you're dying to get rid of. (laughs) We can take smaller things. So, you know, no big bulky electronics. And that's where it tends to just be, we got to decline those items unfortunately but if it's small if it's a little bit used and you're you're buying new things then mm-hmm. then we accept those all day so apartment sized pieces of mm-hmm. furniture um we can bring them straight to you and you can you have a warehouse where you store we them? have a warehouse we pick up too so we can uh we pick up from donors and then it goes to the warehouse and we deliver to clients okay so food furniture and finances. finances. How do we get the money to you? We we work like crazy to, to raise <laughs> funds, um, whether it's a contractual relationship with a state agency, a local government, or more than likely, we're going to contact people that support what we do, that we can be that vessel for them to do good in this community. You know, what better way for people to invest their dollars in their own community by linking up with a place that's going to know exactly where those people are and how best to help them. You know, that's such a, a, a good point, because a lot of times when somebody is making a financial donation, they want to make sure that it's going straight to where people really need it. So, guys, if this sounds like where you want to put your money, visit them at echotlh.org and find out how you can make a contribution. Now, Freddie, I've got a question. So, Every day in the news, we're hearing about industries that just cannot hire enough people. There's places that are saying they're severely understaffed or there's help wanted signs everywhere. Why do we have such a big problem with poverty if there are so many jobs available? 
that's super complex, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if we have the time today to solve <laughs> this particular problem, but it's it's one that I care passionately about simply because it is making sure that the private sector and the people that are trying to move up economically are attached at the hip. Mm. You know, it's not a zero-sum game where you have to give something up and you lose it and somebody gets it. There is a lot of rising tides lift all boats uh, philosophy here. But for me, it's a matter of, I think currently, there's a lot of mismatched job opportunities. Okay. So that help wanted sign might not be something that for somebody that's always been hard to employ. And think about what, if anything, the last year and a half has taught us, there's a lot of very skilled, capable people whose jobs just fell out from under them. They might be, why not wait for the thing that they want to do rather than just go find something? Now, I'm an inherent believer that there's dignity in work. There's a lot that you can grow and thrive on if you're earning a wage. But there also is a lot of conflicting opportunities out there. If you choose not to work right now, I mean, it could be a political statement. It could be, uh, I mean, you hear everything from unemployment benefits, Mm -hmm. offering more than a minimum wage. I mean, regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, it's right now just a, a, a tough dance, a difficult dance between employer and potential employee to try and match those adequate skill sets uh, with a fair, a fair rate of labor, you know, mm-hmm. a fair wage. And that's why you see signing bonuses. You see a lot of people out bidding each other. But that's what really should happen, right, in a free enterprise system with, with businesses trying to capture somebody else's employee. Right now, the employer, the employee just has that upper hand in the jobs that they might want to select. I remember being so surprised when I learned about how people who have jobs and go to work are still living at or below the poverty line um, just because of the wage that they earn for the work that they do when you also take into consideration maybe being a single parent having childcare, caring for somebody who is has health issues and sometimes missing work and then not getting paid because somebody's sick and it just becomes a snowball effect that you can't recover from. And, and that's where organizations like Echo really step in to help fill that gap. I'm a big believer in just building resources and finding shortages where they are and filling those holes. When we have... I mean, we have people that come to us and just think next week, minimum wage is going to be $10 an hour. The catch is, though, if you if you work 2,080 hours, a full-time job, you're still going to be under that poverty line you mentioned, the 25700 if you're the only wage earner in the family and you have three other people in the household. Now, you're going to be above the poverty level, maybe about 150%, if you're making a minimum wage full-time job. It's really difficult, though, because that's such a nuanced conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at a chart and try and, and find out where somebody is, if they're okay or not. You start thinking in the things that are non-financial, um, tax credits, child care benefits, subsidies for housing. All those things tend to get left off the federal poverty threshold mm. dollar amount. It's all income-based. When you look at how much somebody needs to consume— it's a total, it's a little bit different. We're actually doing a pretty good job at reducing poverty. It's under 5% if you think about all the other benefits and the true welfare programs and supports that are out there. When you take those into effect, we are doing better than we think. 
That's interesting because I was absolutely shocked when I was preparing for this conversation with you and saw that in Leon County, it's estimated that 20% of people, 20% y'all live in poverty. And not only does that sound like a lot, it's seven percentage points higher than the average state rate of 13.6%. Now, you've said this is a nuanced conversation. The percentage points in the charts don't tell the whole story. There's a difference between, you know, what the the theory is and then the practical reality application of services. So can you provide some context on that? So I'm not a statistician or an economist. You know, I, I don't profess those, those expert expert levels, but in looking at the numbers myself, if you think about how Leon County compares to the state of Florida, if you're really going to look at 20% as a poverty rate versus 13%, what is the makeup of our county? Is there anything we can pull out of it? And I know a lot of people jump straight to, hey, we have three college campuses in this community. You know, they, they don't count. But I think even if you account for them, there's a lot of differences that make up our county versus Florida and the United States in general being actually more similar than Leon County falls in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One example is non-family households in the United States and Florida make up about one-third of the population. Okay. Here, it's over 50%. Now, these are non-family households, so these might be college students, young adults living together in, in a shared apartment, shared house, or single people that do not have not started families yet. Okay. Um, that's one area where maybe you dig a little bit deeper. Uh, there's another one. We have about a third of our population, 18 to 13 or 18 to 34 years old. The Florida and the United States have about 20% of their population in that range. So again, we're not blaming the college students to, that are tweaking our numbers, skewing our numbers, but we can now find some differences from where we are in that poverty uh, level to now dig a little bit deeper and identify, okay, what do we pull apart, but where can we find some some golden treasure to see what we can do to improve those, um, you know, the ones that are still left? It's a complicated topic, guys. There's layers. There's areas that you didn't know you needed to think about. We're learning all about what poverty really means and how we can help. Uh, we are going to be right back after a short break. It's Heather Solves Everything. I'm Coach Healthy Heather. Stay with us. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. This is the show where we tap into your intrinsic strengths to solve the everyday problems of life. And I need your help. If you've got a problem that needs solving, let me know. It just might make it to the show. Go to CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems. Submit your idea, send it to me, and you never know, it might end up being on an episode of Heather Solves Everything. Everybody, it is Coach Healthy Heather here. You're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm here with Freddie Branham. He's the Executive Director of Echo Outreach Ministries. And before the break, we were talking about some pretty big, overwhelming numbers about poverty. But I'm guessing that when we really start to scale this conversation, the numbers are 
more manageable, manageable than we think, especially when we start converting the percentage points to people. And we start thinking about the number of people and, and the circumstances that they live in in our county. Can you tell us about, you know, who, who do you really see in poverty in Tallahassee? We see, well, let's go back a little bit a year and a half ago. Okay. A, a pandemic comes along, global pandemic, and now everyone knows someone who has been impacted by, the, by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Previously, it was a natural disaster in some other country. You maybe text uh, some money to the Red Cross, donate to that cause, and then you move about your business. Mm-hmm. This had us, everybody across the globe, pause and figure out what was going on. Lots of were impacted economically course, health-wise. But for us, what we started seeing was people that became disconnected from work. Mm. Either the restaurant shut down briefly, um, hours got cut. A lot of those things now impacted that financial bottom line. Our client base for the past year has gone almost one-for-one swap from people that were homeless to people that were now just unemployed or briefly experiencing something that had never used a place like Echo before. Hmm. It gave us an opportunity, though, to find out, number one, how'd they hear about us, but who, like, what, what's your situation? So if you're behind on your rent, who's your landlord? We probably have got a relationship with that person. If you lost your hours or lost your job, who were you employed by? We try to do our best to outreach into the community. So we might very well know that manager, that that. Uh, company boss. Um, so it was getting to know that that family or that person who was coming to us and to find out what they brought to the table again and where we could plug in some holes to help get them closer to recovery. Um, you know, before you would see people who come in without work, maybe just that fixed income. Now they're coming in. They have some earnings. They just don't know the resources that they need to to get by in that short term. So what does poverty really look like in Tallahassee? It's it's a face that you now are familiar with. Mm. Uh, I think it's it, we've definitely shifted from this othering, so to speak, of thinking it's a certain zip code or thinking it's a certain demographic. It's all of us, really, that are lacking or have a shortage in some resource that really helps us to, to move up. So what do you really want people in Tallahassee to know about poverty? I think that it's, number one, I'm optimistic in the first place. So I think it's something that's entirely solvable, but it's looking at things through how do you build resources? Mm. And so if you're not just looking at where do you fall on a federal income threshold, but where where do you go for help? Where do you go for connections to a job? You know, there's this continuum of people who are very low income, who know every single place in town that they can go and get a resource. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got people who can go take out a a line of credit on their mortgage. They can go put something on a credit card. They might even have the cash in their bank account to go pull from that resource if times get tough. But somewhere in the middle, there's an entire population. We're not even talking about the working poor in Tallahassee, which constitutes another 20 to 25 percent of the population. And that's that Alice demographic that the United Way has done a lot of research on asset limited, income constrained, but employed, Mm. you know, and and that's where that minimum wage at full time work 
is going to still be a challenge. You're still going to struggle. If you get above the poverty line, you're still at risk of maybe falling back into it. Um, so how do you get that stability to then move you up the ladder, earn some more wages? If you have multiple people in the household now bringing in money, you immediately double your household income and poverty's in your rear view mirror. So how, how do you get together? And, and it, it's baby steps, but it, I mean, those are the steps that we have to take. I'm sure that you've seen a lot of different solutions being applied to different scenarios. And I know that a lot of times when it comes to figuring out a solution for somebody's problem, the answer is, well, it depends. Tell me about your situation. Have there been any patterns or trends that you've noticed that consistently help somebody really make a transition out of poverty so that it's like you said in the rearview mirror so more than anything it's just educating those that are in poverty but then also those that are comfortably out of poverty on the reasons why somebody would be in poverty in the first place mm. um, there's a population that thinks you just bootstrap your way up work harder you know get a higher wage job there's other people that say I've been exploited against, you know, the system's built against me. But I think it's it's and and both. You know, it's not either or. And so it's all those. It's it's your social capital, it's your individual, you know, situation and circumstances. It's also that third party that's exploited your situation. Um, but then it there's systems and policies in place that have held people back from from moving up the ladder. I mean, I think when we're able to bring those parties to the table and look at it more investigatively than us trying to uh, throw a solution at a problem. And what do they say? If, if, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So as a provider, do I need to now ask and inquire about my clients of what they truly need versus me telling them I'm a food pantry, here's your bag of food? Uh, it, it's a different, I guess, intake process but that's i mean those are the relationships that we are we're building and it's it starts with let's investigate this together and find out along the way of what you need to build up personally what else can we utilize that's that's outside of your your network so if somebody's listening to this now and the light bulb is going off over their head they're thinking, I can help with this. I, I'm passionate about this and I want to be part of the solution. How can they volunteer? How can they get involved with ECHO or other organizations to truly be helpful? I think it's less rolling your sleeves up and more of making introductions. When we work with private sector, when we work with small business here in town, I used to go and ask them to sponsor my golf tournament. You know, Can I have your logo for my charity event? Would you like to sit on our board? Now we go in and say, we have some solutions that would benefit the people that are not showing up for work on time. Or when they clock out, you don't know if you're going to see them again at all. Or they might need an advance on that paycheck that's just a little bit too short at the end of the month. Those are the people that we know have proven results that we can build up resources around them that guess what? As an employer, they're going to be better employees for you. So I ask for food. I ask for furniture. I ask for finances from people. But more importantly, I need introductions to the people that are on your payroll. Now, a year and a half ago, they were coming to us because you couldn't afford to keep them on your payroll. Uh, now, though, let's make it a little bit more intentional. And if there's people that make up your staff, 
that are in this these numbers that we're talking about. We need to know them so we can move help them move up the ladder. Okay, guys. So if you're a manager, if you're a business owner, if you know that there's somebody in your life, in your circle, who meets this description, there's a way that you can help them by introducing them to Echo. EchoTLH.org is where you go to find out how you can help. I wonder, um, have you ever encountered somebody who, for I can't imagine why, but isn't all that into helping people get out of poverty? Getting out of poverty versus feeding, clothing, sheltering someone, to me, are kind of different. Mm. Um, a lot of people can be moved out of poverty, but they're still struggling. You know, there's no way around that. Um, but you can easily bag food. You can donate items. You can you can come volunteer. You know, helping somebody that's panhandling. That bottle of water in a Snicker bar will go. I mean, th- that's super helpful for that person right there. If it's money. It's your money that you choose to to allow them to now have money to go purchase something, anything. And getting out of poverty, though, was not part of that transaction. And I think some people are risk averse or relationship averse, if you want to go that direction. Like I said, it's easier to just provide these needs. I mean, if 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 you're a believer, if you're a churchgoer, you know you know that you can feed people and bathe people and you know house people. But getting into their life is a lot harder. You know, mm-hmm. Getting to know them is a lot harder. And when you do that, that's when the out of poverty conversation can begin. Wow, that is a powerful idea. We are going to explore that more when we come back from the break. I am Coach Healthy Heather. I'm talking to Freddie Branham, Executive Director of Echo Outreach Ministries. This is Heather Solves Everything. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Healthy Heather from Heather Solves Everything. I want to thank my sponsor, Kylene and Ryan Studios, a local husband and wife photography team who specialize in weddings and portraits of all kinds. Whatever special event you have coming up, they're your photographers for life. With a combined 32 years of professional photography experience, their unique perspectives shine through in every image you see. Find out more at KyleenAndRyan.com. That's KyleenAndRyan.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's Coach Healthy Heather, and you're listening to Heather Solves Everything. I'm solving problems today with Freddie Branham. He's the executive director at Echo Outreach Ministries, and we have been talking about poverty in our community. Now, guys, I personally feel like human beings were pretty smart. I mean, we picked up on things pretty quickly. We learn pretty fast. Sometimes we even think we know everything. Sometimes our ability to learn and adapt to situations can be our downfall. Sometimes we think we know everything that we need to know or that we've been there, done that, and that if everyone would just get their act together, all of our problems would be solved. Sometimes it turns out we're wrong about that. 
because we're making assumptions. And in that case, I suggest that you C-Y-A. What does that mean? Listen up. I'm about to get coachy on you. Now, I know what you think CYA means, but in this case, it means challenge your assumptions. I am just as guilty as everybody else at thinking that I understand situations and I know what the solution is and why don't they just ask me? We think things all the time about people and circumstances and just assume that we're, that we're right and that they're true. But perspectives can change, perceptions can change, and they can help us see new solutions in a different way. And so I've got some tips for you on how you can challenge your assumptions and explore new topics that you might think you've already got figured out. Do you ever hear yourself thinking, that can't be done. We've tried that and it didn't work. There's not enough money or time. Nothing will ever change. If you do, notice because that is your first opportunity to challenge your assumptions. The first step is always awareness. Notice when you're starting from a place of assuming that you know how something's going to turn out and compassionately stop yourself in your steps and ask whether or not there's more that you could explore. I encourage you to approach those situations as a learner, as a lifelong learner, looking for new information. Strive to learn something that you don't already know. Listen to understand rather than to respond. Slow that process down and become curious. Ask yourself whether there's anything new that you may have been surprised by, or that was new information. Get used to saying, tell me more. Seek out people, intentionally seek out people who live differently than you, who live in different circumstances or think differently from you. Ask them to tell you more and ask them again and ask them again until you're ready to ask yourself, what if? Now, I got to warn you, sometimes asking what if can be a conversation stopper. Sometimes these types of conversations make people nervous because when you start asking what if, sometimes that means undoing the work that they've done. It means reversing course on something that's important to them. It might mean that their assumptions are being challenged. Do not be deterred. Explore. Talk about big, bold ideas. That's where creativity begins. And even if the big picture idea isn't ready yet, something new can come from asking, what if? And then ask yourself, what now? That's the thing about awareness and curiosity. Once you discover something new, you cannot unknow it. We've learned things today that we can't unknow. And now, as people of integrity, we have to do something about it. So ask, what now? What do I do now that I know what I know? So, of course, you know I've got tips for that too. First, find your passion. There's so many areas of life that are important for survival and thriving. Poverty is in every community. It's important to know what issues we have to deal with. But there's 
beyond that. There might be something that is a particular passion for you. Dig into that and look for an organization that is helping to be part of the solution and ask how you can help. Donate your time. Become a volunteer, whether it's putting food into a grocery bag or delivering furniture to somebody's apartment. You can make an impact tutoring children after school, mentoring people to help them get ready for job interviews, um, providing job skills for somebody who is reentering the workforce. You have a skill there and you have a way that you can help. If you have the resources, hold a fundraiser, make a contribution, donate items that are actually being asked for, not just what you want to get rid of. Use the information that you have to find the group of people that you want to help and go to where they are. Show up. Even if you don't have anything that you can give, you can be part of the power of numbers, the strength in numbers when you show up at a community event and raise your hand and say, this is important and it needs attention. The more people who show up and speak out will get the attention of those who can make the big decisions. And guys, if you're an employer, look for ways you can support your employees beyond the paycheck. If you've got staff who are earning under the median income, look for ways that you can help with childcare or you can create an environment where your employees don't have to choose between coming to work and taking care of their kids. There are solutions here, and you can be one of them. Freddie, what do you feel is, is part of this conversation? Where, where would you jump in with more advice? Well, uh, the CYA part is home for me. I'm a conservative white male in a social work industry, and I've, I've had to check my assumptions a number of times just from my own where I come from, the things that I know, the things that I've learned along the way. But I could have gotten into a place like Echo and thought about how can we make poor people's lives better. But I've shifted that to think, how can we have fewer struggling people in Tallahassee? And for me, moving from better to fewer is truly the way you make a dent in poverty. But it's more of that resource development piece. Um, funny story, we, we moved offices and changed everybody's business cards and I gave them the opportunity to take case manager off their job title, and they're now resource coordinators. And it's changed just a, a simple aspect, two words, that changes what our role is. And when we're able to then be the ones that get people to be less, less in poverty and more above the line, you know, that's when we've done our work, not just making them better while they're still below it. Mo truly moving the needle. I really like that that um, distinction between, um, you know, not necessarily having fewer people in poverty, but more people housed or, you know, just not necessarily trying to to change one number so that another one changes, but to help people where they are. And how can we have fewer people living in poverty in Tallahassee? That's it. How can people find you and provide assistance? Our client is the business community. It's not the people that we serve with bags of food or rent checks. 
when we get into the business community, they know that their productivity is going to go up if their people are seeing us off the clock. We're able to build up so much more when that person's more in a better space, more stable when they show up for what the next day. That's first and foremost how I want people to be plugged in here in town. Every business owner, every business manager, every person that has a coworker knows somebody who would benefit from what we do. Secondly, the food, the furniture, the finances. We are physically located 548 East Bradford Road, right in the heart of Midtown between Thomasville and Meridian. Uh, we have a website, echotlh.org. My number is 224-3246, extension 204. There are countless ways to get in touch. Um, but as, as soon as we meet you, if you're not receiving our help, then the person that you works for you is going to be the beneficiary of that. Guys, that's the echo. That's the echo. Thank you for being here today, Freddie. You have shed light on such a big topic. We're out of time for today, but tune in next week on Real Talk 93.3 for a new episode of Heather Solves Everything. And check out the podcast edition of today's show on your favorite podcast app on Monday morning. You can stay in touch with me and the show on Facebook. Just look for Coach Healthy Heather. Do you have a problem to solve? Visit CoachHealthyHeather.com and click on Solve My Problems to submit a show topic idea and we will get it done together. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope that something great happens for you today. I'm Coach Healthy Heather, and I'm always here to help you solve everything. Status confirmed. This problem is solved. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We did it. We solved another problem with a little help from our friends. You can be a superhero, too. Check us out online. That's where all the information is about how you can jump in and start solving everything. Heather solves everything with a little help from everyday heroes.